What's up guys, sorry for the delay, but after a short break to get caught up on some stuff, we are back with today's creative guest, the insanely talented actor, writer, and teacher, Anthony Montez. Anthony has written and starred in the film The Last Train alongside Sierra Danielle and Lou Diamond Phillips, as well as the dark comedy mafia film Crybabies, plus The Last Night In, which started as one of many plays Anthony's written and performed in the theater that then got optioned to do a film. Now, just like his current one-man show, Out of the Darkness Into the Light, based off his incredible real-life experience with depression and suicide that aims to help anyone going through it. Now, on top of acting and writing, Anthony is also an internationally renowned acting teacher, combining his unique acting techniques along with Meisner and Strasberg to create the Montez Method, of which he's taught classes in London, Paris, Berlin, Dubai, Stockholm, just to name a few, as well as teaching at the New York Film Academy and James Franco's Studio 4. Now, with the pandemic going on and travel being halted, Anthony has pioneered his international classes to an online format, so now anyone from anywhere can sign up and join in. Now, contact and class links are all down below, as well as numbers to dial if you or someone you know may be having suicidal thoughts, don't hesitate to call. Now, before we get into it, please don't forget to subscribe if you're not already, as well as give the video a thumbs up to appease the YouTube algorithm, which in turn helps this video get more views so we can keep creating them. Let's go. Awesome, all right, well, there we go. Anthony is in, welcome, Anthony. Got you in the in the in the podcast. I appreciate you jumping on with us. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to kick off real quick, if you don't mind. Um, there was a story you told us once um, about when you first moved to LA from New York, and I know you have a bunch of those stories, but the specific one I remember, um, if you could uh, go over again real quick, is you were struggling when you first moved to LA, and you guys needed food, <laughs> and you had to go to the grocery store. Oh. So we we were making no money. We were we got this job. It said um, in backstage twenty five hundred dollars. You know, a week. Actors, no experience necessary. So me and my friend JD said, "Well, we got no experience. <laughs> Let's just go down there. You know, twenty five hundred dollars a week. That's great." Well, it didn't turn out to be that. It was phone sales, and we were making like sixty four dollars a week. <laughs> so. We were just living off the little bit of money that we brought back and we were just having, we would buy bread and ham and cheese and we were eating that for about a month. And by the end of the month, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't just have ham and cheese. So we'd go in and buy the bread and it was winter. So I tuck in my sweatshirt and I put like, a, I put a thing of hot dogs down one, one sleeve, cheese down the other sleeve <laughs> after doing this for a couple of weeks just a little bit you know toothbrush things toothpaste things that we that i would need i got a little bolder so i thought you know what maybe we'll just buy eggs and i'll get some bacon so i put the bacon around my stomach <laughs> the steaks looked really good so i put these steaks down my back and i was like the michelin man i was i had all kinds of things yeah and as i'm getting closer in line my friend JD's behind me he goes daddy are you bleeding I said what and I'm feeling it's all wet and I feel the blood all the blood <laughs> will flush into the bottom from the steaks and now we're getting ready to get up to the, the the cashier I said Jimmy get right behind me you know you see the blood so he's like right when nuts the butts and uh the, the woman's 
ringing us up and then she leans over and she goes uh to me and jimmy my nephew's gay because <laughs> he was so close she assumed that we would we, <laughs> we were so close to, to each other so <laughs> we kind of just kind of just walked out together like that she didn't think twice she just thought we were very affectionate she didn't realize he was hiding the blood. She, she just leads in. It's okay. My nephew's yeah. gay. <laughs> yeah. Nuts and to like, butts. Well, you know, and uh, the other cashier was kind of cute behind us. Like, I don't want that cashier to think we were gay. <laughs> it ruins your shot of ever getting with that cashier. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but I love that. It was a real struggle coming from New York to, to LA. Just trying to survive and that's what I tell my students the first thing you have to do is you got to find a way to survive mm -hmm. you know it's that myth of being a struggling actor yeah you know then that's all you know is struggle that's right. all you have to bring to your acting mm -hmm. and you know you're your own business so you got to be able to you know it can't be i don't have money for headshots or i don't have money for classes or i don't you know you're your own business you have to be able to do those things right speaking of um acting how did the uh how's the one-man play going man it's going i'm really excited about it we went and looked at a theater uh yesterday the white fire theater on ventura boulevard mm -hmm. and we're putting together the deck and the um now we got to put together the budget we got an a better idea so originally you know i've only done the show live right and then i got the idea that maybe we could do it live stream it and because it's an interactive show and right. um the audience takes part so that the idea is to project the audience onto a screen and they will i will interact with them oh, um cool. yeah so now being in the space the other day um, if we do go with this space, and I think we will, I want to, I want to do it both ways because I'm not sure how it will work. Um, so I want to live stream it and do a couple of shows a day so that I could do it in different time zones around the world. But I do want to do it live too and have it the way I, I, I've done it in the past. And we've partnered up with a, uh, suicide, um, support group called attitudes in reverse, and they have hundreds of pairs of shoes from people who have committed suicide and they're going to let me use some of them so i will be surrounded by these shoes so i'll be bringing them out there with me oh wow as well. see if we'll yeah. tap into that That's yeah awesome. and then when i when i first appear before god or the universe whatever it is my shoes won't be on and they'll be amongst those shoes mm. and then when they vote me to return i'll pull my shoes out of that put them on and then go back to earth to complete my journey oh that's cool that's, that's yeah. cool a very symbolic way of putting it yeah that's and we've been cool. thinking about other things uh you know props you know because when i've done it in the past everything is in this bingo wheel all these chapters I have 70 chapters from my life from the very worst of me to the the best things i've ever done in my life mm. and now um i'm thinking about putting some props out there that will s stimulate stories like my my navy uniform i've still got it so maybe that's on a 
a mannequin and then you know that'll kick off those stories um i would like uh, a neon sign maybe that says bar because so much took place in bars and around alcohol oh uh, yeah you know and things like that. i would love to get a canoe <laughs> for my canoe story what's the canoe story <laughs> Oh, you don't know the canoe story? I don't remember the canoe story. No, I don't think you told me the canoe story. I need to hear oh the canoe story. So, after um, I was coming back, uh, I had just shot The Last Train. Mm-hmm. I had taken off some time from the New York Film Academy to um, to shoot my film. But I had to take off for four months. I took off for a semester. So I thought, okay, I need to work. So where... Where can I work? LA is saturated with classes. Where in the world would I like to go? Mm-hmm. So I, I typed in Rome Film Academy. There wasn't one. Madrid Film Academy. There wasn't one. Paris Film Academy. There was one. Mm-hmm. In fact, oh, I called the lady, and she happened to be in Santa Monica, looking to bring a teacher to Paris. So she met. She came, sat in my classes, invited me to Paris. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I knew I was going to Paris, I called Raphael in Berlin. I said, um, I'm going to be coming. Paris to do a workshop. If you could set up a workshop for me in Berlin, I'll come there first. Mm. So he did. In that workshop, there was a famous singer named Sarah Dawn Feiner from Stockholm. Mm-hmm. She ended up wanting to set up a workshop for me in Stockholm. So I'm flying home from Paris and I'm thinking, my life has never <laughs> been better. <laughs> it's never been so great. I've never had everything just click for me. Fall in your life. I land. Yeah, it was just like wow. So this is what the, it feels like to be on the other side of things. Yeah, yeah. Everything just works. <laughs> <laughs> so I had let my friend George my car. He couldn't remember where we parked, so it took us about an hour to find my car. I drop him off in Hollywood, and uh, I'm hungry. It's about ten thirty, so I stop off at um, Wendy's on Sunset. And I'm in the line. I just give the, the the guy my twenty bucks, and I hear, "Can I curse on this?" Yeah. Oh yeah. All you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I said, uh, he, it's just us. Hear, it's just us chatting. I I I hear, get the fuck out of that car. I'll fucking kill you. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? And the guy's talking to me. He's, oh. he's at my passenger side. He goes, yeah, you motherfucker, I'll kill you. Get out of the fucking car. I'm not afraid of you. I look to help back at the Wendy's. He's locking himself in. By this time, the guy goes around the front of my car. He smacks down the hood. He goes, get the fuck out of your car. I'll kill you. He rips open his shirt. He's big. He's muscular. He takes his shirt off, throws it on the ground. I go, oh, my God. How did I invite this into my life? <laughs> I roll up my window. He comes over. He slaps the glass. I say, don't break my window. He goes, then get the fuck out of the car. I will fucking kill you. I'm not afraid of you. The guy behind me thinks I'm taking too long, so he beeps. He looks at me and says, I'll kill you too, motherfucker. He goes after the other car. <laughs> and I hear a car beep behind him. I'll kill you too, motherfucker. So when he's, his voice starts to drift off, I look at the guy at Wendy's. And I said, he's gone. Give me my change. So I'm driving home and I'm saying, how in the hell did this happen? How did I like, <laughs> It's my life? I've never felt better. I was gone for a month. I had a roommate at the time. So I told him I had signed some checks and left some stamps. I said, do me a favor, open my mail and pay my bills while I'm gone. I come home and on the kitchen table, half my mail's not open. Hmm? So I open them up. I'm late on some of my bills. So I go wake him up. I said, Larry, 
what's going on? He goes, oh, you wanted me to open up all your mail? I said, <laughs> yeah, what, what do you think? I laid out half of my checks. I said, you know what? I won't talk about it. I'm going to go take a shower. He goes, Tony, that's the other thing. I said, what, what other thing? I go in while I was gone, a pipe broke. So my ceiling is in my toilet, in my sink. It's, it's all come down. Mm. And he doesn't bother to like clean it up. So it stinks like from water. Oh, mildew, and, yeah. Mildew. yeah. Next morning, I clean that out. I take a shower and I'm going, what the hell is going on with, with me? What's going on? Now, now I'm late on my bills. The sky is falling. The guy threatened to kill me. <laughs> I uh, call in for work at NIFA. They fired me. They let oh. me go. Yeah. The next day, I was also teaching for James Franco. Mm -hmm. And um, I got a call. Tony, we have good news, bad news. I said, well, what's the good news? James got a theater. I said, oh, great. What's the bad news? We had to combine the classes. So you don't have any classes this month, but you will next month. Hmm. All right. So I had three sources of income. Two of them are gone. I go to my class. I had uh, paid a, a friend of mine who's a teacher to teach my classes. I had 16 students when I left. I had two students when I came back. Oh, wow. I said, where's everybody? They said um, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't care for the teacher. So now I, I've got no source of income. I'm going to visit my son in uh, Monterey. Mm -hmm. And I get up there and say, listen, Matthew, things are going to be really tight. I lost all my jobs. He goes, you'll, you'll be okay, Dad. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm driving home. So I'm about two hours into my trip. It's a five and a half hour trip, right? And it takes me it takes me a little bit to for it to register what's happening because What's happening don't make sense because I see a canoe flying towards my car. And it's like, is that a canoe? <laughs> and it, 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 it is. <laughs> I step on my brake, the canoe bounces right in front of me. I go off the road to the left, the canoe goes to the right, across the 101, bounces and goes across the 101. Hmm. I am a wreck. All the cars skid, nobody hits the canoe, there's no accidents. I, I go off the road. Hmm. And I'm like this, I can't stop shaking. I'm like, what is going on with me? What has happened? Everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong. If I was texting, the canoe was through my windshield. Yeah. And, and then the obituary says, Tony Montez killed in a boating accident. Of a <laughs> killed by canoe on the concrete. Yeah. So I, I believe in signs, right? So. It takes me about 20 minutes before I, I start my car and start driving home. And I'm thinking, okay, what could this mean? And I think it means I'm going to die, that I'm not going to see it coming. So if there's anything I need to take care of in my life, do it now. Because if, when it happens, it's just going to happen. Hmm. So I'm thinking about my life and I think, okay, if I die, I, I live my life doing what I wanted to do. Matthew and I have a great relationship. I'll be able to reach him from the other side. My mother would be sad because uh, me and my sister Donna haven't talked in like 15 years. Donna might be sad because we haven't talked in that long. Hmm. So I think of my mom. I said, ah, let me call my sister. So I call her. So I say, hey, Donna. She goes, uh, Anthony? I said, yeah, listen. It's been a long time. I love you. Why don't we just put that behind us? Hmm. And we talked for a little while. So I said, I better call, <laughs> better call my brother and my other sisters, five of us. So I called my brother, Michael. I said, hey, Mike, I just want you to know I made up with Donna. He goes, why? I said, well, I think I'm going to die. He goes, why, are you sick? 
I said, no, I, I never felt better. Mm. And I told him everything I told him in about the canoe. He says, Anthony, I don't think that means you're going to die. I said, well, just know when it happens, I'm okay. I'm all right with it. Just be a, a presence in Matthew's life. I said, you know what? I better call my other sisters too. And as I'm hanging up, I hear, I don't think it means you're going to die. I called Diane. I said, hey, Diane, I just want you to tell you I've made up with Donna. Why? Well, I think I'm going to die. And I go through the same thing with her, the same thing with Tina. And then uh, I call my mother. I don't tell my mother I think I'm going to die. She cries anyway because I made up with my sister. Mm. And then I thought, there's a, what else? There's a friend of mine I hadn't seen in a long time. She got sick. So I hadn't talked to her in a long time. I thought, maybe I'll give her a call. So the next day I go and I meet her and I have lunch. And when I'm driving home, I'm thinking, I don't think I'm going to die anymore. And my first thought was, that sucks. I am ready to go. I'm not prepared to live. I'm not prepared to start all over. I don't know anything but acting or teaching. I don't know what I'm going to do. Hmm. And little by little, that's when I got the, the call from uh, Stockholm. And then I people from uh, Istanbul and Johannesburg started reaching out to me. And then all of a sudden, I'm... Um, going and teaching all over the world. Hmm. Matthew uh, told me about, um, he was in uh, high school and from other colleges came, he said, Dad, why don't you apply to um, the Academy of Art University in San Francisco? I said, well, in San Francisco, they're not gonna hire me, I'm down here, but I'll call them anyway, and they did hire me. Hmm. So all of a sudden I had a job in San Francisco where they would fly me up, put me in a hotel, I'm, I'm teaching internationally. Um, so I've always believed that our existence here was kind of like a classroom and we were here to learn certain mm. lessons. Mm. And it's like school. So as you start to evolve, I guess, the tests become harder, more mm. difficult, Right. you know? And when I was younger and, and I got tested like that, I took a bad situation and I would make it worse through drugs or drink. And I'd mm. be like, why has everything happened to me? Right. I don't look life that way no more. So, right. so that's my canoe that's your canoe story. <laughs> what if, uh, what if it was the crazy guy with muscular with no T-shirt driving the truck that the canoe came flying off of and he was really trying to kill you? <laughs> yeah, right. Then there's a whole other story. That, that I, I was plot, on. But I did pass. Twist. I passed eventually the the truck and I saw the guy out. It had blown off some pickup truck. That yeah, he didn't, they didn't strap it down tight enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's really interesting that you you chose to instead instead of just believing, oh, I'm gonna die, or everything's happening to me, or that things are bad. You looked at the universe and said, I need to put other things in order, or there's something that I need to do to change this outcome. So yeah. you kind of just started putting things in order and making the universe whole again, kind of putting things in order that way. Well, and. and it and you know what it was too, what it, what it has done for me since then, it's like anything is possible. You know, right. I, I thought I was going to die. So anything else that came after, it's like, all right, what's the worst that can happen? And, and, and death didn't feel so scary for me. I mean, not for me leaving. Right. Um, of course, you know, it's for the people who left behind. And I know that for myself as well, it's mm. sadness to say goodbye to somebody. Um, but I really felt, 
okay, maybe that I've learned everything I was supposed to learn, and I'll move on. And whatever I don't learn, you know, I'll be back. Yeah. Speaking speaking of that,、um, that kind of what makes me want to touch on、uh, out of the darkness and into the light. Your. Yeah, th- that's the title of the one man show. Right, it's the one man show, but um. Well, the, and, and, and go ahead. No, in in that it is, you know, one of the things that's really cool about、um, writing is, well, we get to entertain, which is, you know, if we、yeah. didn't realize we needed it, we definitely know after last year, right? How bad we need it. But we get to say something about something we want to say something about, and I get to say something about my philosophy of why we're here, and I do, and and it is put into the show. In the show, it's described. In the, in the show, I I come out to to、um, jump in front of a train. I come out into an empty stage, and we hear the train in the background. There's a homeless person singing for money. I give them some money. They're leaving, and then I realize I'm not going to need my money, so I empty my wallet and I said, "Hold on a second." I give them the rest of my money, and then they look at me and say, "Be careful!" Like they know something.、Hmm. And we hear the train get closer, and then I jump. In front of it,、mm. then we we hear the train try to stop. We hear the ambulance, and then I have 263 pictures of my from my life, from my age now to an infant. So my life passes in front of me,、mm. and now my shoot. Now the the stage goes black, and then a spotlight comes on me, and I'm not sure what's going on because it feels like I'm alive, but I don't know where I am. My shoes are gone, and then out of the darkness, I hear a voice say, "Why?" I say, "Excuse me," and the voice says, "Why?" And I say, "Oh, this! I was just running for the train and I slipped and I get that." <laughs> so I know I can't lie to this entity. Yeah. And then lights come up on the audience a bit, and I say, "Who? Who are they?" And the voice says, "They're the deciders." And I say, "Decide what? If I go to heaven or..." And I'm cut off before I say hell, and it's described that we have three lifetimes. To come here, learn the lessons we need to learn. We learn them, we pass on, and if not, we become a decider. So I said, "Okay, I'm I'm okay becoming a decider." And it's like, "No, no, you don't get that choice now because of what you're going to do."、Mm-hmm. And I have this bingo wheel with seventy chapters of my life, from the very worst things I've ever done in my life to the best. And then I noticed that that homeless person is one of the audience in the audience. So it's described that there are doers and there are watchers. So I'm a doer, and this person attached themselves to me like a spirit guide to try to guide me in life to not do the wrong thing. They spin the wheel first, pull out a wooden chip. It has a event for my life, and then I have to explain why I did what I did.、Hmm. And to keep the show at about an hour and a half, I only get through ten to twelve stories. Depending on which stories come up,、hmm. uh, and at the end of it, the audience votes if I go back to Earth to complete my journey,、hmm. or do I become a decider? So、hmm. when I've done it live, I've had people come every night because it's never the same. The same, show. yeah, yeah. Now, and then I do a Q and A and open、uh, a dialogue about suicide awareness. Mm-hmm. But that's what、mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on as well because that's for out of the darkness into the light and, and what the show is as far as the show goes.、Um, but as as far as you as an actor and a writer, 
um, you know, we always pull from uh, personal experiences and pull from our own lives. So, how did you get to that point when you wrote? What what made you write that? Like in your personal experience, that story, and and jumping in front of the train and creating that story, and then also the suicide prevention. Because when I was 27, I had been living in New York.、Mm-hmm. I was working、uh, three jobs just to pay my rent. wasn't Didn't feel like I was getting closer to doing what I loved to do, which was act. And also, it was the Fourth of July, 1983, and all my friends were coupled up. And I never really had love. You know,、uh, I want, I craved love, but I didn't feel like I deserved love because of.、Uh, My relation with my father and what I've been told about myself.、Mm. So I thought I don't want to live in a world where I can't have that, have love,、um, and I can't do what I love. I'd rather not be here. And I had my father's. I did. I, I had a few drinks、uh, at a bar, and I was going to the subway. My father's voice was just very loud in my head about what a waste of life I was. And then I just saw the train coming, and I jumped. On the elevated tracks in, in in Queens, as soon as I hit the tracks, I thought of my mom. Now the train is coming, and I couldn't remember where the third rail was. And I thought about hanging from the tracks, and then I thought I'm never going to be able to pull myself back up again. And I had no time to to think, and I just jumped to my left and grabbed onto、uh, there was a fence and was trying to pull myself back. And the train clipped me in my、uh, left arm and fractured my arm.、Mm. Obviously, I was very lucky,、um, and yeah. So I didn't tell anyone the truth about it for many years. Everyone thought I slipped、mm-hmm. in the train because that's what I told people. <laughs>、right. No way I wanted people knowing. You know, it's such a. I thought、uh, a sign of weakness that I would、uh, do something like that.、Um, I don't know how I feel about that anymore. Whether it's a, you know, it's not. A, I don't know what it is,、um, but what I do know is, you know, I was just desperate and and done. Yeah, it was one of your darkest moments. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and、um, then when Robin Williams killed himself, you know, I thought、mm. that that kind of scared me because I mean I've I've gone I've been depressed again. I thought I developed some tools. To not go to that place where I was, where I jumped in front of the train. When he killed himself,、mm. I it scared me because I thought, shit. Once you have kids, I think I thought it took that option off the table. Right. You, yeah, you would think so. So, you know, one of the things that I've heard from doing the show is how people like the authenticity of it because. Not that my story is everybody's story, but it is a story of a person who's literally on the tracks.、Right. So I'm speaking from so and the story of my journey, you know, because I, I know for myself, whenever I hear of or see that someone has killed himself, my I always think, why? What happened? Why? Why did they do that? Yeah. So I get to share what what led up to it in my life, how I got to that point. In my life, and also get to share some things I've learned along the way, and some tools, coping skills, and things that I've done to, to hopefully never be there again.、Mm-hmm. It also it also shows that、um, 
we are capable of change as people because if people when people see the show people who knew me way back would not recognize the person I've become and people who know me now would never recognize that person back there they would never think that was me so i know a lot of men especially who think well this is the way i am you know my father being who was one of them you know that mm-hmm. this is who i am i am i am the way i am and that's not <laughs> that's not the way i think it's supposed to be we're not supposed to be born and and not grow and not change you know right. we need to change and grow and evolve would you say that acting has been instrumental in in coping with that oh my god acting has saved my life yeah. you know because i've always wanted to know who i was i'm not saying i i know it now right but i think art maybe in general is a is a search for the self you know through our art so i've worked on you know i was going through a bad time uh years ago and i picked up a play called the dreamer examines his pillow by John Patrick Shanley mm-hmm. and i just saw that i was in the same place as this guy you know this guy has to change you don't know how and i was at that place i didn't know how and and the character is painting in it and my interpretation of it was he wanted to take what he was feeling put it on the canvas look at it and then be able to say okay i don't want to put back what i want i'll leave that out so i bought paint canvas easel brushes but <laughs> of painting and, and I was developing another problem that was like oh my god I I cannot paint <laughs> so, that was not working um I started writing I started writing as born March 11th 1956 and for 6 weeks I just kept writing not being kind to myself um everything I could remember and um I I was in therapy at the time so I would bring the pages to my therapist and she would read them every week what I wrote so it was great for me because I had an audience mm-hmm. and I was hoping that she would say Anthony here's your problem on page 36 man just <laughs> rip it out you're, you're good to go and um it was it was great it was just um great to take everything and and put it out there mm-hmm. and I read it once and it was the best therapy the most healing thing i've ever done for myself because our life really reads like a book and the things i didn't like about myself the things i felt guilty about when i got to those points in the book i realized wait a minute i didn't know that then i'm judging myself by what i know now but at every part of my life the worst things i've ever done that was my best with the tools i had that was the best i could do with what i knew at the time right looked at it like that too i had to say the same about my father i couldn't just be forgiving for myself and said you know what as bad as it was that was his best with what he had at that time right at that time mm-hmm. and i went to zuma beach i drew a line in the sand i screamed out over the ocean as 37 and a half i said i have i take no responsibility for anything i've ever done in my life so my father's fault. And I stepped over the line and I said, "Okay, whatever I do from today forward is on me. I do it." And at that time in my life I realized, "Okay, if I didn't really want to become my father, the thing that kept coming up in the writing and things that kept coming up in the problems of my life was my drinking and drugs." So I quit that day. 
and I went to a meeting in Beverly Hills, uh, AA, and I didn't feel like I belonged there. And I went to one of Van Nuys. I didn't feel like I belonged there. I didn't feel like I, 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 I could honestly say, "Hi, I'm an alcoholic." Um, I didn't think I had a drinking problem. I, had a, I thought I had a depression problem, and I was using alcohol to kill the pain. A dependency problem. I needed as well, to treat yeah. the. Yeah, yeah. you weren't, you weren't waking up and drinking depression. alcohol, but you needed to treat the depression, right? Right. Right. So, but I did see alcohol at that time in my life as a depressant, and it was like Jekyll and Hyde. It was turning me into my father.、Hmm. So I quit, and I never, I didn't drink anything for fourteen、um, and a half years. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of. I liked challenging myself too. I liked seeing. Okay. Yeah. Testing your you willpower know, and seeing、yeah. how strong you can be mentally. Yeah, yeah. Can can I do this? Do、yeah. does alcohol have a hold on me? Am I am I can I not not drink?、Mm-hmm. And 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 it was tricky too because things didn't get better. Things got worse. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it, it tests you, right? Well, it, yeah, and I didn't know. I definitely didn't know where I fit in anymore because my whole social life was around alcohol, about going to bars. <laughs> You know, that's well, one of the funniest things is when you do go out socially, and if you don't drink or, or what the case may be,、um, and people ask you, you want to drink? Oh no, no, thank you. You sure you、yeah. don't? No, I don't drink. Why? And they they look、yeah. so weird. Like why? But you wouldn't ask that for anything else. Like, do you want a sandwich with mayonnaise? No, I don't like mayonnaise. Why? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would just be like,、oh, okay, you don't like mayonnaise. Ooh, yeah. When it comes to alcohol, if you say no, I don't drink. I don't like alcohol or whatever. I don't drink. Why? Well, I got tested in a big way, and、uh, like two weeks after I stopped drinking, my、uh-huh. my friend Freddie was his his、uh, uncle was Danny DeVito, so I went to a small、uh, birthday party at Wolfgang Puck's in、uh, Malibu、uh, that Danny was having for Freddie.、Mm-hmm. So I'd met Danny and Ria before, so Danny's、uh, going to pour me a, a glass of this red wine. He said, "No, that's okay." He goes, "You sure this is really?" There's a four hundred dollar bottle of wine. It's really good wine, <laughs> and I can't tell you, I'm dying to know what a four hundred dollar bottle of wine from Danny DeVito is. That what you're yeah. About? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, and I'm thinking, I, I know, I know myself. If I say yes, then I'm always going to. It's over with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a big test. I said, no, no, it's okay. And then Ria later went to pour me a glass of wine. I said, no, it's okay. And she said, this is really good wine.、Mm-hmm. You know, four hundred dollars a bottle. I said. Yeah, no, I I don't drink, <laughs> so, but it, it it was good. It was it was good for me to be tested in that way. Right. I kind of like it. I, I you know, I like I do like challenging myself and and、um, you know now I, I'm from really from、uh, the biggest lesson I learned was when Matthew was born. You know, I was going through a divorce.、Um, I was sixty five thousand dollars in debt from all the plays that I I put up.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a shit father. I didn't think I'd be any good at being a father. All I wanted to do was act, and I thought this is going to be the worst thing that can happen to me—to become a father. And I, but I had believed that the the soul picks the parents that's going to provide what they need to learn in this life.、Mm. So I told her I'll, I'll I'll be father to this child, but I'm I'm not staying in the marriage. And October sixteenth, two thousand, it was the best thing that ever happened to me.、Mm-hmm. You know. It gave my life a sense of purpose. 
um, it, it made me realize I have no idea what's in my best interest because the thing that now has given me the most joy, I wouldn't have chosen it. And I don't even think I was able to bring joy or true happiness to my acting because I, I didn't really know what that felt like. Mm, yeah. So now I realize I have no idea what's in my best interest. I take the boat, <laughs> I lift the sail, I point it in the direction I want to go, and then when I get blown off course, I know I'm supposed to learn something here. I don't yeah. even question. Yeah. It's interesting. You can't even um, you can't even fathom what it is until you have that experience. Like yeah. you said, you can't. You don't know exactly what it is about having a kid or um, necessarily love or dependency or just whatever it might be and having a kid, whatever that encompasses. But you don't really know until you have that kid. That, like you said, you didn't know you needed that until you had it. Yeah, and I didn't know that 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 type of love. Yeah. That unconditional love. Yeah. That um you know, I told you that dream I had uh, early on with him, right? <clears throat> when he was about when he was about 4, I didn't know it was a dream at, at the time. I thought it was real life and I was driving in Van Nuys and I was in on uh Van Nuys Boulevard and these I got lost where I was going and a car gangbangers pulled next to us and shot into the car and, and shot Matthew. Hmm. And I raced to the hospital and I'm carrying him and said, Matthew, I'm with you. You'll be okay. I lay him down on a gurney. And in the emergency room, there's a doctor, a nurse, a huge clock, a sheriff, and my ex-wife. And the clock is counting down. And the doctor's got the stethoscope and he, he looks up and he shakes his head. And he says, I'm sorry. He's not going to make it. He's got 10 seconds. So I look at the clock and I tell Joel, my ex-wife, and I said, listen, what I'm going to do, I got to do, but there's not going to be any insurance money. And before it hits 12, I grab the sheriff's gun and I shoot myself. And then Matthew and I are in this otherworldly place and we're online. <clears throat> and it's all like grays and blacks, different shades of gray. And we're in color and we're in this line. And we're moving forward and we're moving towards these two hooded figures. And there's a line going to the right and a line going to the left. And then when we get there, they reach out for Matthew. They want him to go down one line and me to go down the other. And I said, no, no, no. I didn't just kill myself. I didn't want him to come alone. Mm -hmm. I woke up and <laughs> I realized I've never loved anything or anyone to that degree. I mean, uh, <clears throat> in life, I had never left him with anyone. If When I had him, I had him, except when I left him with uh, Joel. And I thought, shit, I haven't let him go anywhere in life alone. How can I let him go into death alone? Mm -hmm. And then I woke up and I just couldn't stop crying. I realized, oh my God, this, the, the idea to sacrifice, sacrifice. myself for the, yeah. it would, would, would not, not even a, a hesitation. Yeah. Wow. So. That's, yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. Being able to do that sacrifice, and and you know it, in in your heart, that yeah. that's what would have taken place had that and it, dream it, been reality. Yeah, and it put really put everything into perspective for me that the most important thing I was ever going to do in my life was be father to this kid. Everything else is second. second place, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, that's crazy. And you never told me about that dream. <laughs> wow. Well, wow. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I put it into a script. I mean, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to do it as a yeah a short, more just because it's so powerful. I was gonna say that that would make a really cool little short. Yeah, like a Black Mirror short dream yeah. sequence thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I didn't look at things the same. It's like when you see in the in the newspaper that you know somebody had killed himself after you know with with their kid. It's like I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what the circumstances were. It's easy to say, you know. I don't. I don't know what was going on there. You know. So those are the worst. I noticed too after having um, after having kids um, that I cannot watch um, like a movie or especially something that's real life documentary or a news article where there's a child involved it just pisses me off so bad there's that documentary about the kids in new york that got framed for like the murder and all that stuff and they're like young little kids getting framed and i couldn't i couldn't finish it i just got so pissed off and then um there's that chris something uh the colorado murder that killed his wife who was pregnant and two daughters Mm. and to this day like in my head i just i can't it frustrates the shit out of me i i want to get sent to prison just to, to kill the dude myself like torture him like yeah, i just yeah. can't fathom that i uh pisses me off when i think about kids getting injured or uh, i don't know just well yeah like we saw in aleppo all the different things with these you know where these bombs are going off and then <clears throat> there was yeah. that one image of a kid just like covered in mm-hmm. in you know it's like yep has no idea what's going on it's like you just want to hug them and protect them yeah and they pull that one little girl out of the rubble and she's covered she can't breathe and they have to like pour water on her to wash her off yeah you you look at it and say really you can't we can't stop for that we can't do better than that yeah yeah kids man innocence well and then you know i i really feel for these parents um after george floyd um mm. was murdered um it really affected me um he had seen this grown man calling for his mama yeah this you know i had an awareness you know and of what was going on but that one really just chilled me to the bone and the realization there was more and more you're watching and just how different it is if you're uh uh a black child growing up the different conversations you have to have about the police mm-hmm. or you know this is what you got to do careful mm-hmm. yeah um i don't know yeah you know, racism it's just ignorance and you know we see it now too with the asian hate with yeah um, you know poor lady just walking down the street and just gets punched in the face and kicked and it makes no sense it's ignorance at, at its all-time it's high yeah. yeah yeah i mean what are you getting out of that i mean you feel like a big man or you know you you went up to 65 75 85 year old woman mm-hmm. and and hit him yeah that's- um i don't know but that's another thing that we can make a difference through what we do through art and bring attention to this ignorance and um enlighten people educate people mm-hmm. after the george floyd thing on zoom i did a, a 
a free class for black Americans. And I was going to work on August Wilson pieces. And in all my classes, I have the students write. So I asked them to, to write about what they felt about what was going on. And it was so profound that we just worked on that and put it up as a presentation and then did a Q&A afterwards. And it was so, you know, because as an ally, it's like, okay, um, how can I help? What can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what do I even say? Like, even when I was putting the class together, I didn't know what would be appropriate. Do I say African Americans? And but then am I leaving out Haitian Americans, or do I say Black Americans? And I asked some of my Black friends, and they said, "No, Black, Black Americans." Mm-hmm. So, but that's the power of what we do. I mean, you know, I want to bring. I don't want to spread myself so thin. I want to speak about what I, what I, know a little something about and suicide awareness. Yeah, um, seems to be the 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 cause that I'm um, going for at this moment. Well, because I mean, you can touch on that a lot more than somebody else could. Like, say for myself, I couldn't touch on suicide awareness per se. I, right. right. I could support it, of course, which I do a hundred percent. But right. you can touch on it a lot more because you've gone through something like that and you know how to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Right. And um, from my one-man show and from my place of my suicide that became my film, The Last Train, yeah. I have um, six people that when they are walking the razor's edge, they call me. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. And then right now, are you, aren't you, aren't you, aren't you um, doing pre-production or raising capital to film? Well, we're going to be, we're going to be, we're just putting together the deck and the budget. <clears throat> so I think the budget's going to be somewhere between ten and and $15,000 um, for uh, the one person show. Okay, for the show. Okay. Yeah. But you found the theater so, now? Yeah, and and that alone will be a thousand dollars a day. So, looking at five to six days <clears throat> to do that and whatever equipment we gotta, you know. And what I don't want to make the mistake of doing because I've done two feature films that no one got to see really. I mean, they went to some festivals and they could be rented on Amazon now. Mm. Um, you know, I want to make sure that. Well, the the plan is. During the pandemic, I saw all these stand-up comics and some woman shows on Hulu, and and uh, uh, so we're going to be shooting it, and then stream it live, do it live, stream it, put it together, and then look to um, sell it to one of these uh, platforms where people can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the most important thing. That's the hardest thing too is to find an outlet, right? An outlet, pick it up so that people can actually have access to it. I mean, it's one thing to throw something up on YouTube, but it's another thing to try to recoup the money that was invested in making the, the showcase or the product. Um, even if you just break even, as long as people get to see it. But uh, yeah. that's even hard nowadays because festivals uh, cater to studios because all the big film studios put their films in festivals now. So it oversaturates the uh, festival market so that the uh, independent productions don't have as much of a chance because i mean paramount's putting <laughs> studio films in 
a film festival where it was supposed to be yeah, independent yeah. before. Yeah. Well, I think what I'd like to do is I know that there are people like um, Lady Gaga with her uh, Born This Way Foundation and mm. Zack Snyder. I, I, I just saw that he had dropped out of uh, the Justice League because his 20-year-old daughter had committed suicide and he couldn't go on. You know, Drew Barrymore and Owen Wilson. I know there's enough, there's a lot of people that this is probably a close to their heart. Yeah. That may want to come on as a producer, may want to help. I mean, it's not a, a, a such a uh, insurmountable amount of money to, 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 to invest, to have something very powerful that, that will really give people hope. So I'd love to get it out, you know, to one of them and who knows, you know, maybe Gaga wants to be God in my show, <laughs> you know, like a guest appearance as God. Yeah. Well, cause I need the voice of God, um, you know, so it, who no, knows? You, you know who you need. Who? Oh Morgan yeah. Morgan Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd be like, Oh my God, you really want God. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah that would be phenomenal um well if there's yeah. anybody listening on the podcast or watching on um the other video outlets if uh you want to be involved in that reach out to anthony or myself and we will get you um get you on production um if you guys want to be part of it or help with the outlet or anything like that post-production pre-production let yeah. us know yeah what was that script you sent me that we read the uh the mobster one what was it called again oh uh, the, the cleaners the cleaners yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, we need to work on that too. Yeah, no, I, I could have sold that script uh, years ago. Yeah, and you know, I was the uh, Chaz Palmentary Sylvester Stallone uh, <laughs> story that you don't hear about. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's what we need. We need some more of those uh, gangster films. You know, New York throwback yeah, films. No, we need more of those. Yeah, and it's it's fun. It's it's yeah. a different kind of. You know, I think where it's dark, it's dark. Where it's funny, it's, it's like funny. It's funny, yeah. Funny. That's what um, I love about your writing is it. It's so well done, but it, it's it's also not too heavy. It's not. It's just perfect. The your repetition in it and just your stories and everything that you've experienced and you always put personal stuff into it. It makes your writing so much so phenomenal. I love it. Oh, thanks, thanks. And and even with you know with my one man show, you know, it's a dark subject matter, but it's a lot of laughs. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you know when you know? to put when to put the little yeah. things in there to lighten it up a little bit so it doesn't get too dark, too heavy. Right, right. Yeah. So, like my my uh, my canoe story is in there. Is it? <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, it was it was uh, it was like uh, a, what the hell's going on, you know? Right. And and facing death and feeling okay with it. Yeah, it was the universe speaking out to you. Yeah. You know that's a good thing though, because it for it made you rearrange and and get get back in contact with your sister. So maybe that's yeah. what the universe was maybe trying to do. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, and even with this, uh, with with what I'm doing with the one man show now, the idea of streaming it, you mm -hmm. know, it's because everything fell through for me. March 9th, I was going to London, Frankfurt, Strasbourg, Budapest, and Bangkok to do my one man show and my uh, acting workshop. Yeah. March 11th, my birthday, it all went away. That was COVID, and, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's like there was never probably a more uh, necessary time for the show because of the the amount of depression and isolation and people uh, suicide 
uh, rates skyrocketed. So I wanted to get my show out there as, as a message of hope. Right. And um, so that's, you know, that's what made me think I don't have to wait till I have a live audience. Let me live stream it. Yeah. And have that that's, be my audience. That's the way to do it. And then um, depending on what software you use, they can kind of be an audience there. Like they're sitting in this in the uh, theater with you, um, mm -hmm. but they can also make comments and kind of communicate with each other as well. And yeah, be supportive that way. Yeah. So That's cool. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, if yeah. anybody, like I said, if anybody wants to um, to join in and, and help out or be part of the production, um, if you guys have any ideas, uh, if you'd like to donate, um, uh, Anthony has a what is it? A GoFundMe. We haven't started it yet, but they can email me and then I can um, uh, direct them to uh, whichever platform. Yeah. 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 Okay. So montezmethod at gmail.com, M-O-N-T-E-S method at gmail.com. And <clears throat> yeah, I can then direct to where. Okay. Montezmethod at gmail.com. And then it's also Maddie Daisy uh, at Instagram. Uh, so that's M-A-T-T-I-E. D-A-I-S-Y, Daisy Like the Flower, which there's a lot of symbolic meaning to that for Anthony, um, mm -hmm. which we will get to on another podcast episode. Because um, mm -hmm. daisies follow you everywhere, don't they? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> and also they can email me too because they can be on the, uh, <clears throat> uh, the guest list for, you know, when we do do the show, we're going to need an audience. Right. So they can send me their information and when we figure out the the, the schedule i can send them an email about uh when the show is perfect okay so yeah if you guys want to be part of the show be uh, on the guest list just yeah. send anthony an email or reach out to him on instagram um again at maddie daisy uh and follow him as well on there um, he's always updating new stuff that they're working on um, and if you'd like mm -hmm. to take his class as well reach out the same way um through his gmail um mm -hmm. And again, all that stuff is on there. It's a phenomenal class as well to take. You can do it from anywhere um, since it's done virtually. Um, so you can learn all the techniques that a lot of actors use for, for the Montez method, um, which is Anthony's own method, which is um, based off of... Well, I've drawn from um, Meisner and Stanislavski. Meisner and Stanislavski, yeah. Because you, yeah. you, actually, you actually taught or you actually learned from Meisner himself. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I got to study with him one summer, but I had studied his technique for almost five years. Mm -hmm. And then I studied with Charlie Lawton and Susan Peretz and all these great teachers. Um, I studied the Strasbourg method with them, mm -hmm. Shelley Winters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you came up with your own techniques, which are yeah. phenomenal yeah. to me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, let me know if you need anything. Um, and again, we'll keep working on this stuff. Uh, okay. I'd like to get, get, the, uh, get the show out there live. So uh, anybody that needs help or feels that they're depressed or anything like that knows that there's people out there that are supportive and they can yeah. reach out. They can reach out to you or me or anybody else and uh, definitely watch the show. If you get a yeah. chance, once, once it's all done, watch the show and learn from Anthony. <laughs> That's all I could say. Learn from yeah. Anthony. He's a work in progress. Lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. We are. Yeah. We all are. All right, bud. Well, I love you, man. Love you too. And I appreciate you hopping on. Again, Anthony um, Montez, Maddie Daisy at Instagram, guys. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, share, leave a comment. Um, if you've been depressed or 
know of somebody that is or anything about suicide, leave a comment down below. Just reach out. That's all it takes. Yeah. Anthony's yeah. a really down-to-earth guy. I am too, so we're here. Just reach out. Yep. All right. Love you, man. All right. Take care. All Love right. you too. Cheers. Ciao.